Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This is Internet Marketing. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 163 of Internet Marketing, brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. And in today's show, Kelvin discusses the role of online PR in SEO with independent online marketing consultant Chris Lee. All coming up in Internet Marketing. Um, so I'm joined on the line by Chris Lee, who's kind of an ind- uh, um, independent um, online marketing consultant, um, who is going to be joining us at Brighton SEO and delivering one of the workshops. Now, the workshop that Chris is going to be leading is um, kind of making the connection between online PR and SEO. And it's kind of really aimed at people who are perhaps link builders, but feel that they could learn more from the world of public relations and PR. Do you think that that's kind of a fair assessment that actually most people, Chris, who have got experience of building links could probably improve their success on Google by understanding more about public relations? I think they absolutely could. I mean, look at the authority of a lot of um, news sites like The Guardian, The Telegraph, possibly, and Daily Mail, of course, on the, you know, the most read uh, of all uh, media. Not only that, I mean, you're looking beyond um, national papers towards the authority of, of, of local and vertical papers for, you know, more long-tail search, perhaps localised search. And then um, also, let's not forget the importance of bloggers, which are getting more and more important, um, where kind of the, the lines between SEO and PR have been blurred time. Um, I don't think that either side has quite nailed it yet. There are a few, um, if you look at the diagram between the two, there are a few very successful agencies, very progressive agencies um, that have conquered that ground so far and doing a very good job. But actually, if you look at from PR, like 13 years PR experience in the tech space. Yeah. Um, uh, if I talk amongst peers and see what they're doing, apart from those really digital savvy, they're all concerned with, with generating good coverage, and that's what their clients are demanding on the whole. But what doesn't um, resonate is, is, is getting that second benefit mm. of online, which is um, you know the links back and, and competing for keywords. It's not something that's uh, culturally factored in that much. Mm. I think a lot of... Um, PR firms on the whole seem to be talking a good game. How much do they actually understand about SEO um, is, is another question. Now, the opportunity for SEOs here is that um, they can start making a march into this ground. And if they don't, I'm afraid the PR industry is going to be very quick to gobble up. Mm. Um, last uh, February at, at um, 
that Brighton SEO, was it in February? When was it? Uh, I, I think it was April, April 1st last April. year. There you go. Time does, but it's, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was I, remember, I remember it saying like SEO needs to grow up and, and it needs to become more like PRs. And I think that PR does have that sort of reputation outside of its own industry where it's like, uh, oh, is it fluffy? Is it a dark art of some description? No, it's not. It's a really essential part of the marketing machine and um, it's something you can't avoid doing really. Um, you want to have good relationships with, with press and, and other influential publishers such as bloggers, then you need to know how to build relationships with them, build up trust in the long term and um, you know get your materials and your clients uh, and thusly their um, keywords in front of these people so that they, when they write about them uh, are generating really good um, authoritative and diverse links back mm. to your uh, and, and what do you think, Chris, in terms of is some of the, the things that um, someone who's used to coming, who's coming at kind of this online PR link building overlap from a, a SEO perspective, what do you think are some of the challenges that they're going to find that, you know, most difficult to deal with that potentially would come second nature to someone who comes from a PR background? I think it's, you have to become salespeople, basically. Um, this is a really sort of important um, facet of being a, a PR person is you've got to be able to sell, um, not just with your uh, voice either on the telephone if you're pitching to a journalist, um, or but also in the way you, you write your emails and making sure that relevance is key. Um, that's, you've got about five seconds to impress a journalist on email before they delete or trash you. <laughs> you know, And, and uh, if you spam these people, you could end up being blacklisted and, and they're going straight to junk. They'll never know you existed either. So it's kind of really delicate balance the act uh, a long-term relationship building a uh, slightly bit of a sales job um, and um, but in the end that when you, if you do it right especially with you know bloggers as well um, then you the accolades are um, so the benefits are, are multiple, multiple, multiple and in terms of kind of building that relationship because I think that's the big sea change that I'm seeing in, in mm. the world of search is that there's less of a kind of ha- who do I need to contact to get a link now for this client for this project then that's the end to more of a kind of how can I build a relationship that lasts over a period of time that means that I can benefit my client on this occasion and again in six months time and another completely yeah. different client at another point in time. Is there kind of any advice that you can offer to people in terms of how, how do you manage that relationship with a journalist when potentially there's a bit of a conflict there? Because what you want is you want your clients to get coverage. Uh, but what they mm. want is potentially they re- I think most journalists realize that public relations people are there to help them but sometimes it can be a fraught relationship sometimes can't it and i can imagine link builders who are perhaps not quite so used to that tense relationship uh, a potential no. uh, a greater risk potentially i would have thought well that's the funny thing i mean it's journalists um you quite often find them posting uh blog posts about how bad you know they've had an approach from a, a pr about or complaining you know about a particular firm or um, whatever it happens to be, there's always been this kind of like love-hate relationship with um, between PRs and journalists. But at the end of the day, they're totally interdependent. Um, you know, PR just gives journalists, especially currently, given that they um, are far more desk-bound than they used to be, they're under pressure to produce more content than ever. Uh, and that's a great opportunity for SEOs because there's a lot of co- copy and pasting that goes on. Yeah. And the 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 other point is that. Um, I think journalists understands that um, and appreciates a really good PR. So if, as long as you're not, when I said earlier about being a salesperson, what I mean is you don't sell in terms of, hey, buy this, blah, blah, blah. You know, you need to be more subtle about things again and th- always consider a journalist or a blogger's audience because that's who they're writing for at the end of the day. They're not um, 
they're not interested that your client has, has won an award for X, Y, and Z. They, what they really want to know is, is what impact the product or service that your client may have won an award for is going to um, have on their readers. You, you see where I'm coming from? Yeah, and is, is it about crafting a story to a certain extent or to kind of yeah, help them? Uh, so, in fact, it, rather than a here's our piece of news, which I suppose is the, the temptation, temptation mm. to maybe go to, actually, here's how we... Um, or my client uh, fits part of this bigger story or this bigger pattern. Is that a good way of thinking about it? You know, where yeah. actually you're trying to you're trying to get coverage for yourself, but actually it's about something bigger, and you're just a small part of that bigger story, but you benefit from bit, that bigger story being um, written about and spoken about. Well, I mean, the key is that um, I think for a lot of brands, they get kind of sucked into themselves. If that makes sense, yeah. and, and kind of forget that there's a world out there who isn't spending 24 and thinking about that particular brand and they really need to sort of step outside and, and take a look from the outside in and say okay then why would anyone be interested in hearing this messaging from this particular company you know what's in it for them at the end of the day um, if there's no interest for the, the reader then there's no interest for the journalist so um, you're wasting everyone's time uh, and, and, and budget so I mean things that work really well obviously like surveys but they're um, you know they they are uh, everyone's doing survey nowadays but as long as you can add some really good intelligence on the back of it not just have some sort of tenuous link so it's almost worth just saving up really good um, mm. you know good uh, projects and then just sort of like doing it that way you know mm. having five massive major projects every quarter rather than throwing out press releases every week which is what some people do and think that the more we throw out the more coverage you'll get which is absolutely not true in fact the converse is probably correct because over familiarity can breed contempt <laughs> yeah and in terms of things like surveys um just a recommendation for the mm. listeners out there um there's a good tool that that we've used in the past for our clients called taluna um which is kind of co- a pretty cost-effective way of going out and surveying 250 people to find out what they think about mm-hmm. whether torres was too expensive or something like that uh, um, have you got kind of any advice yeah. in terms of when you're putting together those surveys or carrying them out um things to think about to increase the likelihood of when you do pitch that to a journalist that um or a blogger yeah. that they're gonna they're gonna go for it and i mean i know it'll be different on a case-by-case basis but any kind of general totally. things i mean you, you, you try to recommend i think it'd be uh, timeliness is really important um there's nothing worse than uh, putting together a survey and then the day you put it out suddenly find that Apple have got a massive um, announcement going on <laughs> and that you've been, and all the journalists are at that event. So, I mean, you've got to be really sure that there's some, some quiet times where things like summer are quite good for, for silly surveys, quite silly season, and also the period running up to Christmas. Mm. Um, the, um, the other thing to consider is your actual audience field. Uh, if you're doing purely consumers, you need serious thousands to actually make it valid. Mm. Um, if you're doing specialists, then you need less of those but these are uh, survey houses will charge different amounts for access to those individuals they've got on their database um so i think what we really need to be clear about before engaging on a survey is how you're going to and to end, not just sit there thinking well let's see what findings are before we do anything mm-hmm. you think okay we're going to build a report about this how are we going to make that available how to capture data if we're going to make it available online um all that sort of thing um i'll be doing an example at, at my uh uh at my presentation at Brighton SEO on the 12th of April mm. into um, one example of where uh, a survey um, for a particular client was very, very successful and um, led to a load of inbound links and excellent coverage. So um, 
yeah, people that attend my uh, workshop can look forward to that. Mm. And in terms of, you know, like tr- once you've got that data, have you found kind of, and this is, I think, uh, an area it's headed, and we were kind of talking about this before we started recording the call in terms of um, producing that into kind of visuals can be quite a good way of, um, you know, providing it so it's easy for someone to embed in a, a mm-hmm. blog post or that type of thing. Have, have yeah, you, you I mean, the graphics that- rock. I mean, uh, you know, um, I think it's important to give uh, people, um, one, okay, the benefit of giving it, Unless they've got something they can then publish and use it or embed into their online um, publishing, but then two, you've got a bit of link bait there to sit in your uh, your own web and draw people in. So um, infographics, very simple, easy way to present your data, and then obviously some kind of PDF download report um, captures some data around that. And how you're going to communicate that as well in terms of you can use a press release, or you're going to use a blog post, and then uh, drive people through it via Twitter. You know how are you going to actually mm. communicate that you've done this survey and what the findings were and the relevance, of course, again to to all those different markets. So there's a whole, a whole range of things you need to do. And obviously- Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Preparation is the most important thing, building up a press list. And this is another piece that um, I should have mentioned earlier, probably that SEO people need to consider. They're going to need to have to arm themselves with the tools to know where this media is and how influential they are um, so they can actually narrow down and, and make, you know, tiered, um, targeted media of, you know, to, to target their particular communications with. So you're talking about um, tools such as Gorkana or Cision, all these ones that you may well have heard of before. Uh, and what they essentially are, are kind of, I suppose, it gives you a ready-made Rolodex of journalists. Is that kind of a fair way of sort of putting how they work? Yeah, yeah, and they're reasonably up-to-date, some are better than others. Um, uh, so you always know who's covering which particular beat. There's nothing worse for a journalist than being called up. Um, say you're covering... Uh, telecoms and then someone calls up with a sports story I mean it just makes reflects badly on the PR company and it mm. kind of <laughs> uh, wastes the journalist time and, and that can end up nowadays in a, in a bad tweet mm. so uh, another, another problem that, that PR companies often do is a lot of the pitching to journalists is actually done by um, fairly junior team members yeah 
um, where, whose pitching skills aren't great and obviously quite, ner- uh, you know, mm. quite regularly quite nervous on the phone when they're talking to journalists. So it's kind of like getting that right balance between a senior authoritative voice mm. that really believes in the message when they call up, um, actually uh, being able to communicate that effectively that story to their journalists. And I suppose that's something that the, the link builders might have as well, is that kind of concern that actually they're very comfortable blogging, uh, you know, pitching webmasters and maybe bloggers, but kind of less so mm. kind of what they consider. Any advice on kind of dealing with that nervousness, Chris? Um, no, really, it's just down to personalities, really. At the end of the day, no one's going to kill you down the end of the phone, are they? But it's kind of like, um, I think practice makes perfect, to be honest. I think, like, with anything, like when you started podcasting, I think if you listen back to it originally, you hadn't quite found your voice. Same as me when I started podcasting. If I look back, it's like I'm talking like from the BBC or something. But the the end of the day, you just got to um, kind of be yourself, believe in what you're communicating. It is very difficult. And this, I think, is the acid test, really, when it comes to the newsworthiness of any particular piece. If you don't feel comfortable pitching it in, uh, you don't feel it's a story. Um, quite often, it probably isn't. So it's kind of like... Uh, spare yourself for the really good stories that when you know you're going to pick the phone up to a journalist you can actually sit there with authority and go look I've got something really interesting for your uh, readership it's regarding X, Y and Z and what it means for them is X, Y and Z I think this would be a great piece of content for you blah 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 Uh, rather than a kind of like tenuous Mm. kind of you know half-witted story, half-baked half that's rather self-serving and, and no good to anyone. I think that's really good advice, Chris, that kind of, yeah, if you don't feel proud of that story, you don't feel that it's going to be something that they're going to want to write about. If you feel embarrassed by it, then actually mm-hmm. that's not a good enough story. So another topic I wanted to talk to you about, Chris, um, was the um, recent release of Facebook timelines for um, businesses now kind of um, it's quite a big change in the way that businesses sort of present themselves on on Facebook is it kind of do you think it's got how big an impact is it going to have on you know businesses and how they have to conduct their profiles on Facebook yeah just a quick bit of background then just for those that that kind of haven't heard of this already um, I'll be astonished if you haven't on the 30th of March um, Facebook is enforcing its timeline for brands similar to what you've had in an individual user of Facebook, you're going to have a total new layout in a sort of historical timeline format um, for your entire brand history. Um, It is a massive um, thing for brands, especially those that have invested in, for example, landing pages, which are now going to be obsolete. Um, So it's going to be a lot more resting on the actual visual aspect of um, what you put out there. It, It has also presents a a fascinating um, set of opportunities for, for businesses as well because they can be far more uh, visual in their approach. They can uh, also interact directly with fans, uh, which is something that's been trialed in Asia, but, but it's actually the first time it's been used here. So that's the CRM issue there, I suppose. Um, and also there's a number of other sort of presentation things. So I think things like images are going to be far more important um, going forward. So should we sort of cover the main sort of yeah, things yeah. going to be... be- be uh they're going to change so you, mm. basically when you when you you launch um your new page as it, as it will be once you've you've lost timeline you're going to need a a cover sheet which is like um, a cover photo that sits across the top yeah. um there are um restrictions on the pixelation size of that and you can't have any kind of promotion promotional material in there no calls to action no nothing mm-hmm. uh, so it's important to 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 note that then you also got your profile picture so with that's your brand logo or whatever so really think about how you can illustrate your brand it's going to take up the top half of a user's screen. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's really important. Then you've got um, just under that, um, you'll have a, uh, a section saying about. So you've got 
um, a very limited sort of just a bit longer than a tweet's worth of uh, of words to really sell what your particular page is all about. And then you've got just four visible apps. Now, you used to have like apps on the left-hand side, you know, those tabs that you look yep. at and you do all sorts of different things with those like, competitions or whatever it happens to be. Um, here, you're just going to have four, and then you'll have a drop-down menu which will offer you uh, a number of others. I think it's a maximum of 12 or 16. But um, So if you've got a massive campaign, it's really important that you prioritize the four that you really want to focus on because they're what people are going to see first when they land. Um, so scrolling down and you've got three other options uh, of interest. Um, one being pinning. So if you update things, you, you'll see on the timeline already, it goes to the sort of left and right sort of feature. Um, and on your sort of usual status update will be, um, you've got to think more about the visual element of it because it's going to be far more eye-catching um, and far less wordy, uh, whereas you've got the traditional wall stuff, you've got more left to right sort of situation. Um, <clears throat> what you're going to see is uh, a post on the left, which is your main post, and then on the right you're going to see other user activity. Mm -hmm. Okay, and that's in the highlight setting. You'll see this when you scroll down. Uh, it'll see a little pop-up on the left-hand yeah. side that, that comes up. Yeah. But what you can do, things like pinning, highlighting, and milestones. These are big things. Um, what, what pinning enables you to do is to keep something at the top. You know, traditionally on uh, when you post something forums, on, uh, yeah. Yeah, you post something on a wall, it goes to the top, and then yeah. next time someone updates, it goes down, or a user updates, it goes down and down. So you might have done a massive campaign going back to our earlier piece about a survey, for example. Mm. You want it to sit there for a long time at um, front of mind, you know. So if you pin, it gets to sit there for seven days before uh, dropping down. So that gives you a chance to prioritize and sort of almost become a bit more of a publisher. That would give you more control as a publisher, I should say, than, than previously. Mm. Um, and what highlights do is... Um, enables you to um, expand that uh, piece of content across the entire width of the page. So at the minute, you'll see most updates take up half the timeline. Yeah. Uh, now, with highlights, just which is a simple sort of option you get from the top right of any of your status updates, um, you click the start, and, and it goes into the full width screen. So this you got to think about when it comes to uh, using landscape over portrait type images, you know, and the sort of the words you're going to use. Um, milestones are important because of the timeline itself goes can go back as far as you set it. So it's important to get that right first time that you set it to the, the foundation of your company or whatever it happens to be that you want to go back to. Um, if you look at people like Coca-Cola, for example, who won the early adopters of timeline, yeah. um, they're 40 uh, and a half million followers. <laughs> Just They've, a few. Um, just a few, yeah. I mean, if you scroll down there, they've got a whole load of, um, you know, their historical data and a few old um, adverts and things like that going way back into the 70s and things like that. So you can get really retro. If you're, if you're a club, with, um, club, sorry, if you're a, a company with a heritage, then, um, you know, why not? Take re, advantage you know, of that, re, yeah. Re, yeah, yeah, bring, bring back some of those assets that people might be nostalgic about, you know. So um, there's plenty of opportunities as well. So when we're talking about having direct access, you can only um, direct message a uh, fan if a fan has direct message you. Okay. So you can't actually spam them messaging, etc., which is good. Obviously, protects the user, but at the same time, um, it's really good because someone's got a, a, a query. You don't want that sitting on the wall going, oh, I hate my, you know, mm. whatever system not working. Uh, you guys haven't responded, blah, blah, blah. What you want to be able to do is just to sort of take that offline, really. And you can do that by encouraging them to direct message you and then um, and then following up offline, I guess. Mm -hmm. It's just like online PR as well, actually. Mm -hmm. you know? 
uh, our customer relationship management. But so there's a, there's a lot of um, implications that the the timeline is um, instigated for brands, and I think it's important for them to to really understand it, um, get under the skin. You've got two weeks or so. Well, you've got until the 30th of March, depending when this podcast goes out, as to um, you know to, to to deal with that and address yeah. it. But there's plenty of content out there that other people uh, have mm -hmm. written about. Um, you know the implications for brands. So I, I suggest anyone just Google's it and has a look and, and sees sees what other other consultants are saying about um, about timeline and address that as a matter of urgency. Fantastic. No, it's a really big change, and I mean fundamentally changes the way I think businesses are going to have to conduct themselves on Facebook in terms of how their their, their presence and what it looks like. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out and some of the um, what the new conventions will become if you know what i mean because it, everyone does seem to be very much focused around that kind of big call to action landing page at the moment and it seems that um that might um be going the way of the dodo mm, no totally and what that means for design agencies is it's, it's quite significant mm. you know that's a lot of big part of their business maybe gone and have to refocus on uh, other parts of facebook Mm. well fantastic i really appreciate that chris and um like i say thanks again right. for the, the run through on um what's coming up at your workshop at brighton seo and um yeah, yeah thanks for talking as well about some of the big changes going on at facebook yeah thank you kelvin um, and if anyone wants to hear any more uh, planetcontent.co.uk nice one cheers mate and we shall catch yeah. up anon well that's it for today thank you so much for listening you can find us on the internet at www.internetmarketingpodcast.org where you'll find show notes, links and instructions on how to subscribe. We would absolutely love to get feedback, comments and questions from you. If you want to send an email, send it to kelvin.newman at sitevisibility.com. Also, feel free to comment on the website. And if you'd like to use our voice line number, if you're outside of the UK, it's plus four four one two seven three. 256150 if you're inside the UK it's 01273 256150 and you can leave a voice comment or question and we'll play it on the show also we would absolutely be delighted if you would give us a, a rating on iTunes itself well that's it for now Andy White signing off until next week on internet marketing